the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Well, welcome to Vatican Insider, and my special guest this week is Patrick Riley. Patrick's the president and founder of the Cardinal Newman Society. He led a pilgrimage to Rome for the October 13 canonization of Cardinal John Henry Newman, the namesake of this organization whose mission, as its website says, is to promote and defend faithful Catholic education. So, Patrick, welcome to Vatican Insider. Thank you, Joan. Thank you very much. Patrick, we're going to talk about the pilgrimage because that was so exciting, but I want to go back to 1993 when you founded the Cardinal Newman Society. And what was behind your decision? And of course, why Cardinal Newman? Right. Well, um, so I had attended a large Catholic university and had found very quickly that it was not very Catholic in terms of its identity, in terms of its moral emphasis, um, in terms of just its its concern for the formation of students. It just really wasn't there. And so um, I was rather disappointed with the institution I was in the journalism program, became editor of the student newspaper, and so, like you, I just, you know, I wrote about these things and I, and discussed them, and and so started a very good conversation there, and that carried over after I graduated. I moved to Washington D.C. and met a number of other recent graduates of Catholic colleges and universities that had a very similar experience. So that's really the outgrowth. That that's how the Cardinal Newman Society started. At that time, we were focused only on higher education. Today we work with elementary and secondary, perhaps even more than we do with higher education. But, Interesting. But, uh, you know, so the full breadth of Catholic education. But the, the, it seemed rather obvious, you know, who, who was the patron of, of this work to renew particularly Catholic universities, and that was the man who wrote Idea of a University. And, of course, there's so much even beyond that in terms of his lectures and his sermons in the university chapel. A prolific chapel. writer and had amazing dialectical skills too. He did. He did. He did. And he made a very strong case, you know, a lot of times his idea of university is, is somewhat distorted as a as a generic argument for uh, liberal arts. And it was so much more than that and he made the argument that a university in order to be fully a university, the 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 most authentic university is a Catholic university. And he was a teacher himself. He taught at Oxford. And I think what's important for uh, our listeners to know, if they haven't learned it in recent days, uh, because of the canonization, of course, that Cardinal Newman was a member of the Church of England, that is to say, an Anglican. And um, the Anglican tradition as in the United States actually is known as, they're known as Episcopalians. So you had a man who through reason, intuition, reading, logic, so many different ways, that he he was always searching for the truth. He was. And that's what led him into the Catholic Church. Yeah. I mean, he was already in his 30s as an Anglican and famous for his writings, his, his poems, his dialectical skills. But bit by bit, as he began to study, as he began to talk to people, he realized that the truth was in the Catholic Church. 
Right, right. And and so Newman is known for so much, you know, for his conversion, for his teaching on doctrine, the development of doctrine, on conscience, his his literary impact, his his pastoral approach, you know, all of this is part of Newman. We're of course focused very much on his vocation as an educator in sure. addition to his voc- vocation as a priest. And and really everything that he's known for is wrapped up in that vocation of education. He, he was so concerned about bringing the truth to the laity in particular and helping the laity, empowering the laity, forming them to be able to, to grasp the truth and to understand it and to convey it to each other. And, and that was very important to him. But let's go back to 1993. Was, was he well known then to, should we say, the general public or to educators? No, I don't think so, and I and I still think you know a lot of Americans know the name Newman, in particular from the Newman centers at, oh, at sure. non-Catholic schools. Um, but a lot of people don't know who he is. In fact, even our supporters will very often misspell as N E U M A N N because there's a John Neumann and from That's Philadelphia it. who who's who's uh, you know very well known, exactly. and so a lot of people don't know him, and and I'm eager. For, for more and more people to know him and to read him because I think John Henry Newman is is a just a perfect saint for our times. I think this is very providential, the timing of this in terms of development of doctrine, in terms of conscience, oh, yes. and just his example of you know his lifelong, as he described it, his lifelong fight against liberalism in religion, which really was relativism. Sure. This idea, relativism, this idea that, that any truth is the same, and also the concept that religion ought to be private, that, that it's not, right. a, not, a, not a public thing and it's not part of everything that you do. No. You just mentioned something I'd kind of forgotten about. That's the Newman Centers. Yes. That, that uh, public universities have a, a Newman Center. For what reason? Um, in case our listeners don't know. Right, right. Well, so um, the I guess the very first Newman Association was at Oxford University um, and was named in, in honor of Newman. And, and the idea is to bring pastoral care to Catholics who might be at a, at a secular institution, right? Which is great. Or, or somebody just kind of curious about the Catholic faith. Right, you right. Know, they can come to a center, talk to a priest, and... Sure, sure. It's great work. It's not the embodiment of everything that Newman wanted, though, of course, sure. right? He wanted young people uh, to be formed intellectually and to be formed in the faith so that they were, you know, virtuous, saintly uh, people who, who could really understand their faith, right? He wasn't someone who who wanted sort of the, um, the the mindless faith. He wanted people who could really think about it. And grasp it if they it. grasp it and know exactly. it, they can explain it to others too. Exactly. They That's can answer questions, whether it's children. And, and you and your wife are here in Rome for the canonization yes. and five children. Yes. And I understood all of you were at the beatification in 2010 we were at the beatification they were they were young then and now it's five teenagers yeah your daughter was like four years old at the time that's right that's right so it's very it's been very much a part of our family of course and and newman's very important to us good for them Yeah. yeah as your website says it says quote the society seeks to fulfill its mission in numerous ways including supporting education that is faithful to the teaching and tradition of the catholic church producing and disseminating research and publications on developments and best practices in Catholic education, 
and keeping Catholic leaders um, and their families, keeping them Catholic. So maybe just a little bit about the, your work, your tasks, your writings. Do you have symposiums? You know, how yes, they, yeah. sure, sure. Well, you know, for, for many years, our work was primarily just in sort of exposing and talking about what was going on at these institutions, particularly colleges and universities. Uh, we still do that. You know, we still want people to be aware of what's going on. Again, some of the initiatives you have on campus, and uh, you travel to other universities, you have symposiums, you have a lot of information for parents who want to know in particular about is there a place Catholic or not. Right, exactly. We published something called the Newman Guide that recognizes Catholic colleges. We also have the Catholic Education Honor Roll that recognizes strong, faithful Catholic elementary and secondary schools. Um, and that recognition is extremely important to holding up models. But a lot of our work now is actually in helping schools and colleges to have the standards according to which they can develop strong internal policies, because many of them are getting sued. Many of them are... Ha are fighting these religious liberty threats in the United States, these attempts to prevent schools and colleges from doing what they need to do. And um, the best defense against that in the United States, given that we have the First Amendment protection, sure. is that these schools and colleges can claim religious freedom. The problem is, is that courts look, and if you don't have clear and consistent policies in place, and, and written and apparent to their to your employees, they can sue and claim discrimination. Sure. And the courts look at that, and especially in the context of the secular culture today, they will do that. So it's very, very important that, that what once was assumed, that this is what we'll do because we're Catholic, now it has to be written and clearly stated that if you do this, the you're losing your job. The eyes got it, the T's crossed, yeah. It is very important. And so we're doing a lot of that work. With it. And the diocese are hungry for it. The, the schools are hungry for it. But the message that we keep giving to Catholic educators, and this really goes to any Catholic institution, is you have to have all of your ducks in a row from top to bottom. Right. And if you don't do that, then you're going to be in trouble legally. Well, Patrick, let me quote something. Before the canonization, you published um, a commentary entitled, Where is Newman's University? And I'm just going to read part of it, but it's so impactful. It begins, John Henry Cardinal Newman's vision of higher education has been celebrated for more than 160 years, and it will hopefully get renewed attention after he's canonized on Sunday, October 13th. So we do now have, of course, St. John Henry. Still, few colleges today closely resemble his, quote, this is the title of something he wrote, idea of a university. If anything comes close to Newman's vision today, it would have to be those faithful Catholic colleges recognized in the Newman Guide that your center society does put out and the National Catholic Register's College Guide. These are models for the renewal of Catholic education, largely according to Newman's vision, and their continued effort towards bringing his ideas to fruition are a blessing to the entire church. I really want to talk about that because why is it so difficult for some of these institutions to call themselves Catholic? We could rattle off a whole bunch of names of university that our listeners would automatically think is Catholic. Why is it so difficult today to be true to faithful teaching. Yeah, I think what has happened with a lot of academia is this this sense that that being Catholic somehow 
narrows the the disciplines right that that in order to be a genuine institution it has to be largely secular and you have to come at each of these disciplines with a secular approach and that theology is sort of this other thing that we do over here and that's very religious but it has no impact on anything else and shouldn't and in fact what Newman teaches us is that that no, the, the faith is something that it's a whole other branch of knowledge. It's a legitimate branch of knowledge. It does depend on faith, but a Catholic institution, by its very nature, accepts right what we understand by faith, accepts divine revelation. And if you do that, then every other thing that you study is suddenly, you know, there's new understandings and sure. a broader understanding of it. It's, it, you know... I ask people, what does it mean to teach math in a Catholic school? And they'll say, well, math is math. You know, what are you going to tell me that right. a Catholic school one plus one doesn't equal two anymore? No, of course one plus one equals two, and mathematics is still what it is. But what is math? Math is the order of the world. Math is the, the way that everything comes together and is created. And this is something that God has imbued. And it, it teaches us that there must have been a creator to everything else. You know, there are all these understandings yeah. of mathematics that come from theology. And these are theological understandings. And then there's mathematical understandings that bear on theology. So every branch of knowledge bears on the other but a, an educational institution that is willing to simply reject or, or prevent even any discussion or understanding of a branch of knowledge, especially one that is as important and all-encompassing as, as theology and what we know okay. from religion, is not a, a full, authentic educational institution. the doctor of the church and one of the greatest defenders of Christ's divinity. Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the church. And Athanasius of Alexandria fought against the Arian heresy that questioned the divinity of Christ. He once condemned the Arians as opposers of Christ who had dug a pit of ungodliness. It was said of him, Athanasius contra mundum, Athanasius against the world, but for Christ. He died in 373. For more about the doctors of the church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Are you ready to spread your wings? Wings is the weekly newsletter that's packed with exclusive news, program information, features, and updates of all that's going on at the Global Catholic Network. To sign up, go to EWTN.com, click subscribe, enter your name and email address, and you'll start getting your wings every week. Get your wings today. It's the weekly newsletter from EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. This is a Messy Family Minute from Mike and Alicia Hernan. We want to encourage you to become a storyteller in your family. Tell stories about your childhood to your children and even your grandchildren, your adventures, your struggles, overcoming fears, and even your mistakes. Why? It can help your children understand that their own experiences are normal. It sends a powerful message that they are not alone and that there's no shame in struggling. Some parents may be afraid that this will make them look weak, but this kind of vulnerability is actually a strength. You're telling your kids that acknowledging mistakes can be the first step to improving your life. Saying, I felt this way, gives them permission to open up to you. 
And if you're struggling to relate to a child during a difficult period of their life, this may actually be a point of connection. This can be also a great teaching tool, much like a parable or story of a saint. But this time, this is your own real-life story that can teach a lesson. When you share with your children about your own walk with Christ, it's a great story that your children need to hear. To listen to our podcast and sharing your story, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. EWTN, Teaching the Truth. I had called in, I think, a month or so ago, and I had told you guys I was in my RCIA program, and I had wondered about what I could do more to get more involved with the church and such. Well, Saturday, I am finally having my confirmation, and I wanted to thank you guys for giving me all the information and having your program on here that has helped me so much. I cannot tell you enough how much it has helped me. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Welcome to part two of my conversation with Patrick Riley, president and founder of the Cardinal Newman Society. Stay tuned now as we talk more about the Society's work, and Patrick explains the court challenges to faith-based institutions in today's society. How do you feel in these 20, you know, how many years, six years, the existence of the Cardinal Newman Society? What do you see as some of your biggest challenges, what have been, and your biggest successes? Okay. Well, let me take the latter part. I mean, I think there is, as dark as it has been, particularly in in Catholic higher education these last few decades, and that's worldwide. That's not even just in the United States where we primarily work. The the secularization of higher education um, and, and elementary and secondary to some extent as well has been pretty weak and our catechesis has been weak. But there is this renewal of Catholic education that's going on, and it's very, very exciting. I mean, there are just wonderful, wow. wonderful institutions coming up. And it's not just institutions. We're learning new ways of doing education. So the things that are coming from homeschooling and from, yes. and from these hybrid schools and the online programs and, and all these different ways of bringing the faith, and not just the faith, but all knowledge, um, to, to young people is so important. Where I think there really needs to be a lot more work, and this is the other side of Newman, it's not just that institutions need to admit of theology. He was very concerned that, that the laity learn how to think, how yes. to reason. And he even said, you know, an idea of a university, he almost didn't care what subjects they studied as long as they learned how to understand and how to reason and how to classify knowledge and how to order it and how to to come at things because someone who can do that can go on to live in this world and to do it in a knowledgeable and thoughtful way and i don't think that we've completely recovered that even in the most faithful catholic education and it's something that we need to continue you and i were talking about that earlier before we started talking here the fact that With today's social media and everything, you can go and Google some information. You're not spending time, like I remember doing, writing a thesis, going to the library, copying notes from a book I couldn't take out, reading a book that I could take out, but then I couldn't make notes in the margin. Then I'd go home and my handwritten notes would be typed out. Like you said to me uh, earlier, you spend a lot of time on that, getting to really know the subject. And today, things, it's like if, if you didn't do it 20 seconds ago, then it's probably not, not worth it. So right. 
you, you have th that ability, I, I sometimes worry about today's youth, is there that ability to calmly sit down, to take the time, not with any gadgets in your hand or on your desk, mm -hmm. to reason something out? Right, right. You know, Peter Kreef talks about, I was actually at a conference where he was talking about, uh, someone asked him when, when did he realize that education had really collapsed. And he said it was when the SAT dropped the uh, analogy section because young yes. people simply can't do it anymore. They can't do analogy. And so more and more, you know, I got started with this, with the disappointment with higher education, but more and more I'm realizing that it's in the elementary and secondary education that by the time someone graduates from high school, they need to be able to think. They need to be able to reason. They Absolutely. need to be able to have logical understanding, and they need to be able to communicate. You know, one of the things I talk to my, I, I teach logic to, to these uh, high school students, and one of the things I, I talk That's to them about. That's not an oxymoron, logic in high school students. No, it's, it actually <laughs> it works so well. They love it. It's a great age to, to work with them. And we even do some philosophy and everything. One of the things I talk to them about is, you know, when, when we talk about man is made in God's image, we usually talk about the fact that we can reason at such a high sure. level. But it's not just reasoning that makes us human. It's the communication. That's where the love comes in. It's not just the, uh, the fact that we have truth in our mind and we can come to new truths, but that we can communicate it and share it, and we love the others in doing that. It's a very loving act, and that's what makes us so godlike. And so young people need to be able to communicate. They need to be able to have conversations about politics or about world affairs or about religion or about a movie without just spouting off their opinion and stopping yeah. there. You know, in my classes, I they tell have my, to be challenged. They have to, and I in my classes, I tell my students, if you express an opinion, you need to be able to back that up with evidence that supports your opinion and reasoning that supports your opinion. And if you can't do that, don't state your opinion. Sure. And and it's hard for them to do, but they they they're learning and. Well, we it's hard because that. they'll have a device in their hands most right. of the waking hours of the day. Communication is your fingers, you know, ripping across a, a keyboard right. and um, not sitting down like you and I are doing or like we did earlier with friends over dinner, totally communicating. And by the way, no, I don't think anybody had their phone out. Oh, we did look for something on the phone. Uh -huh. But anyway, you know what I want to do now is what I said we would do at the beginning of our talk. And let's move to several days ago in the canonization. Yes. Talk about that experience, the man, etc., and his legacy. I, th I think you probably have touched on his legacy already, certainly for yes. Catholic education. Yes, well, his, so his legacy was truth. This is what he was so focused on, right? He wants, just, he wants people to get to the truth, and that was always his focus. He was always trying to get to the truth. And one of the great things about Newman is that he never considered himself a theologian because he, he never sat down and said, I'm going to do theology. No, he responded to particular events, particular questions. People questioned his own um, conversion. And so he wrote the Apologia to explain his oh, conversion. Yes. There were debates about particular issues, and so he wrote about them. He was always trying to address the, the issues of the day. A very modern man. A very Actually, modern man, yeah. right? And But he was always doing it thoughtfully and wanting to help people to get to the truth. And so... I think he's just such an, an important state, saint for our times, as I said earlier, and, and it was very, very exciting to be there. It was and a beautiful day, the was. square beautiful, filled with, we learned, 50,000 
you know, faithful coming to see not only John Henry, let's be fair, wow. but also four women, one of whom is a laywoman from Switzerland, and then three religious orders. And a little bit of trivia I've learned in the past hours that I'll share with you. Cardinal John Henry Newman was the first person to be canonized, British person, excuse me, UK, to be canonized in the last 50 years. But he is the first English person born after the 17th century to be canonized. That's incredible. Yeah, because yeah. the others were the those canonized in, in uh, 50 years ago, 49 years ago, they were Reformation martyrs, 40. Right. So right. they were before his time. So um, this amazing man, the first Englishman, English person, mm-hmm. born after the 17th century. And if you remember seeing the name Sister Giuseppina Vallini, mm-hmm. I learned yesterday from something the Vatican put out, that she's the first Roman female in 400 years That's to be canonized. That's great. It's so, it was so important and so exciting. Yeah. You know, one of the things with Newman is he lived at a time when the church was emerging from this darkness, right? Yeah. Of the really emerges, emerging from the Protestant Reformation, Reformation in England, right? And, and he lived at a time, you know, one of his great sermons that I love about the liberal religion and everything was was at the opening first opening of a new seminary in england and so he's living through all his happy times and yet he was very prophetic and he would looked forward he could see already what was happening with this new secular age this age of irreligion that he talked about that we were going into a time in the time he said when the church was facing something it had never faced before and that is when people simply rejected religion. The church had always confronted other ideas about God, but here was a rejection of God altogether. And that's what we're in today. And it's a it's a real challenge, but he saw it, he prepared us for it, and, and I strongly encourage people to read Newman because I think he, he gives us the tools that we can use to address this. And, and it really comes down to reasonable thought and a willingness to embrace. And and Patrick, Mm -hmm. just in closing, because we're getting to the end of our time, but I think we should also pray to him. I think people know that when the church canonizes saints, it's for the universal church. Mm -hmm. Wherever we live, whoever we are, I think we should look to Newman, because I've heard you basically kind of summarize it this way. Pray to him to be faithful in our faith and to always search for the truth and don't be afraid of it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's right. Yes. Pray pray to Newman and ask him to help us through this this very difficult time. Yeah. And we will get through it. We all know how the how the end is, right? Yeah, we all know we where do. it ends up. But thank Well, you. I just wanna I should have said this halfway through the interview, but of course we've been talking with Patrick Riley and he's the president and founder of the Cardinal Newman Society. And now you're all experts on that. And next week, I'll quiz you. So anyway, on on those words, Patrick, thank you so much. God bless you and your pilgrimage. Thank you, Joan, and God bless you. Yes. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.